Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. Whether you're an emerging writer or an established writer, you're looking for some practical tips to help you develop and sustain forward momentum, or you enjoy candid conversations with business professionals who share what it is really like to be a professional writer, you're going to get that here on the Professional Writer Podcast. You'll find the show notes and a link to join our private Facebook community at bloggingbistro.com forward slash podcast. Well, today I'm happy to welcome a guest on the show. Her name is Kirsty Snyder. Kirsty is a mindset coach. She's a business owner, a corporate trainer, a writer, a blogger, a motivational speaker, a classically trained actor and vocalist. Wow, she does a lot of different things. So this is going to be a fun chat. Kirsty has a passion for helping others refine and enhance their confidence and mindset. She's a wife of eight years. She's the mother of two young boys, and she is an expert coach alongside Bob Proctor. She blogs, she writes music and lyrics, she hikes, and here's the cool thing, she is going to be an author twice over this year. So welcome, Kirsty, to the podcast. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Today, Kirsty and I are going to be talking a lot about making the mindset shift from hobbyist mode into professional writer mode. And you've done that recently yourself, Kirsty, because you have two books coming out this year. Not one, yes. but two. So you, yes. <laughs> you went whole hog with that. So first of all, tell us a little bit about the two books that you have coming out. The first one is a gratitude journal. It will take a person through daily things to write down with releasing different emotions, replacing emotions, writing down what I call a growth goal, and then affirmations where you're acting as if and you're answering what you would love. It's very intentional around having an abundant mindset, not just with income, not just with money, but uh, abundance in anything, abundance in a relationship, abundance with your health, with where you live, your confidence, things like that. And then the other one is actually a co-author book where about a dozen of us gals will take each chapter and experience of where we used to be, how we shifted our mindset into something different and our experience now in that awareness. Oh, those both sound good. Now, when did both of these books release, Kirsty? So Gratitude Journal will be sometime within the next couple months. The co-author one will be later on this year because there's a little bit more to tackle being with a few other gals. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're talking releases sometime in the summer or fall, maybe winter of 2021. You and got it. I'm saying that specifically for people who might be listening in 2022 or 2023. Yes. <laughs> this podcast episodes stay up online forever, it seems uh -huh. like. And sometimes people go back and listen to all the episodes. Will those be available on Amazon? Yep, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you'll see a bit through Facebook and Instagram, things like that. So let's get into the topic of the day about shifting from kind of dabbler mindset or hobbyist mindset into the mindset where we're looking at writing as building a career, 
possibly earning a living or maybe doing that as a side gig where we can earn a little bit of extra money. Viewing our writing from the mindset of a startup entrepreneur, from the mindset of a business owner. So as a mindset coach, Kirsty, what are some of the things that you do to help people move into business owner mode? So I would first ask yourself or relay to yourself, if you're interested in something, you do it when you feel it's convenient. But when you're committed to something, you do it regardless. Meaning when you're committed, you put yourself in a position to use your will, to use your focus on what you want to achieve rather than being tied from here to here, being distracted little obstacles come up and you feel yourself getting knocked off course. So I would take some inventory. That would be my first thing. Are you interested or are you committed? Because when you're committed, that's when you move mountains. That's when you have unwavering faith. And when you're interested, you're being bonging back and forth, not having a clear set vision on something. Once you answer that, you know how to go from a mindset of this sounds like a hobby, it sounds like a fun side hustle to I'm going to take this full on because I know it's my passion and I know it's something that I see in my lane. Shifting myself from a this sounds fun, it's a hobby, you know, if it makes income cool and if it doesn't cool, I'll see how it goes. The best thing I can tell someone is to make a committed decision. Because when you make a decision about something, you're answering the questions, am I willing and am I able? Well, we're able because we're God's highest form of creation. We know that when we impress something on our mind, it has no choice but to be there the longer we persist in it. If you're willing, that means you're committed to that without the distraction of what other people say, without the distraction of where they are, but where you want to be because your vision is yours. They might not understand and that's okay. That kind of reminds me of a book I was reading recently called Grit by Angela uh -huh. Duckworth. And in fact, I just did an episode on that. It was episode 59, listener, if you want to go back and listen to that one. And it really kind of relates directly to what you're saying, Kirsty, about making that commitment because having grit is all about passion and perseverance. And I view perseverance is a big part of being committed. It's one of the things that I see in the work that I do with writers. A lot of writers are like, yeah, I'm going to be committed. Going to be being the key words there. They're not really committed. Right. Because they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to publish a blog post every week for a year. They publish one blog post and then life gets in the way, as it always does. And a year later, they come back to me and they're like, I forgot how to use my blog. Can you retrain me? Right. <laughs> Can you retrain right. me how to do it? Because I only did that one blog post back when I first launched my website. But this year, I'm thinking that I'm going to be committed. But it's uh -huh. not necessarily a full-on commitment. We have the best intentions of being committed and of moving forward and of starting this business and doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And yet life always seems to get in the way. And that's always going to happen to every single one of us. So how can we go about really making sure that we follow through with our commitments when stuff happens? It's the awareness that you know that stuff will happen. It's the decision that either allows you to stay the course or it says, nope, got distracted. 
Too bad life happened. Sure, life happens. That is a thing. You're also human. That is a thing. When you actually make a decision, think of it like if a doctor makes an incision. If they're cutting something away, they're cutting it apart. It is no longer there. There's no other way about it. And when you make a decision, you're cutting away other possibilities. So it's not, I'll write my blog twice a week and then one week I forget. It's, I know if I write a blog Tuesday and I have another engagement on Tuesday, I will write it Monday night. Because when you make a committed decision, you are not saying only if or as soon as. If this happens, then I'll decide to do it. Or as soon as this happens, then I'll decide to do it. It's saying you will do it regardless. It's being a prioritizing person instead of using the life got in the way I didn't have time. No, it's that you didn't have the right priority. When you actually make the decision, the discipline around that decision follows. The discipline cannot be there unless the commitment is there. The discipline can't be there unless the commitment is there first. Let's talk about that as it relates to your own decision to become a published author. Now, you've done a lot of different things in your career. You know, we talked about those at the top of the episode where you're a business owner and a mindset coach and a corporate trainer and on and on. And now you're an author. You've already been in business owner startup mode for quite some time. How did you translate that commitment to being a business owner in general, specifically to writing these books that you're working on now? So it has been a goal of mine to write a book for I don't even know how long. I had a friend in my industry, a client of mine actually, who was starting to write a book. And I've had people write books before where it's taken them five years to do so. And I have this friend of mine, my client, who wrote it in six weeks. And I said, what in the world happened? (laughs) Because you're in my material. You're in what I teach. Why have I not done that? I shifted my mind from saying, how come she did it and I did not? To Mm -hmm. the fact that she did in such amount of time lets me know I could, right? I take it as evidence. I reached out to the publisher that she hooked with, and now I'm doing the same thing. And it's been about six weeks, and it's just a matter of publishing it. In my head, I was looking at external circumstances saying, okay, again, as soon as, as soon as, when really everything that I want, whether that's publishing a book or something else, everything I want wants me too. The difference in someone who attains it is the person who actually goes for it instead of just talks about it. I heard a really interesting comment the other day. I think it was on another podcast I was listening to where the person said, okay, you have an audience out there. You have a potential client out there, depending on what type of business you're in, who is eager to work with you. You've got this idea for a book in your mind, or you're working on creating an online course or a coaching program, but you're just not doing it yet. You, Like you said, Kirsty, you haven't quite made that commitment yet because something is kind of getting in the way of you being willing to make that commitment. Because of the fact that you're not willing to make that commitment, you are doing a disservice Mm. to your potential audience, to your potential client who needs exactly those skills and those words 
that you have to offer them. That made me think about it in a whole different way because oftentimes I let my fears hold me back or I like to have it be perfect (laughs) before I launch it. I can't do that because I've got people out there who need what I have to offer. And if I sit around here dilly-dallying and not doing anything about it because I'm letting my fears hold me back, then I'm doing a disservice to those people. Mm -hmm. Yep, 100%. I used to think that holding myself back helped others grow. Like if they were uncomfortable, then I must hold myself back because it would make them doubt themselves somehow. When really me playing small impacts them to continue to play small too. And I want what's contagious to be, wow, because Kirstie did that, I can do that. I want it to bring someone up and then understand and be okay with the people who are uncomfortable with that, that's okay. I would rather inspire action and do it myself, practice what I preach, than to hold myself back because of my own programming, my own fears that are a bunch of made-up stuff anyway. It's simply what I bought into for a long time. So for me to step out of that normalcy or that comfort, it's going to be uncomfortable for a moment. But it's in the uncomfortable that we grow. And what are we here for? Growth. If not, we're dying. And for me, I'd rather grow. I'd rather create. Me too. And I think a lot of that comes down to the comparison trap that we so often fall into. And I think I heard you saying that where, you know, I can look at you and go, oh, Kiersey's doing that that thing that I've always wanted to do. So I can't do it because she's already doing it and she's got to be way better at it than I am. Mm -hmm. And so then we stop, we just never take action. Mm -hmm. But what I hear you saying is you look at it from just the opposite perspective and you go, Kirstie's doing that cool thing that I've always wanted to do because she's doing it. I think I could do that too. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely opposite mindset. Mm -hmm. You flip the script Because think about which one feels better. She's doing it so I can't, wah, Mm -hmm. me. Or she's doing it and because she did it, that means I can. That's evidence that I would have the power to do it too because I know now if someone else has done something I want to do, they're no better, they're no different than me. It's just the person who went for it. So it's pushing yourself past that fear and saying, I can because it's been done. I also, for a long time, had the thought, if they're having more success, that means my piece of the pie is smaller. Or, in the opposite, if I'm too successful, then I'm taking away from other people. When, really, everyone has the same amount of creativity, the same amount of hope and vision as the next guy, it really just comes down to who is expressing that creativity or not. Yeah, we could use your gratitude journal as an example. There are tons of gratitude journals out there on the market. That had to be a consideration for you, Kirstie, as you were thinking, okay, well, there's like 50 other gratitude journals out there. How do I make mine unique? And should I even go ahead and do this project? So how did you go about deciding that? It goes back to what you said. Me holding myself back is doing a disservice to the people who I know need me. They may not be in my life yet, but the only reason they're not here is because I'm not putting momentum to it. My journal, for example, starts out saying, you have this journal for a reason. 
you bought this journal for a reason, which creates a friendship, which creates security. Because it's not just the journal that helps a person, it's the process of doing the journal. And then it allows for a friendship to be born because they bought that one for a reason. They didn't just buy it because it was cutest. They bought it because they were drawn to it. (laughs) Maybe they did. But But they they bought it because they were drawn to it. Just the same as you accept a job for a certain reason. You were drawn to it. And as you use your intuitive factor, you're able to accomplish more because you're trusting yourself. Whether it's a purchase of a book, it's a purchase of a program, it's changing your hair, it's getting a different job, whatever it is. You do that intuitively and your creative juice, it it just surpasses what you had done before. And when you were doing your gratitude journal, did you examine the competition? Did you look at some of the other ones that were out there to see how yours could be unique or did you just go for it? Uh Both because the client I have right now who did a gratitude journal I hadn't even thought a gratitude journal. I just thought it was this overwhelming, I have to write this huge long book. How do I do chapters? How do I do content? And then when I found that she did a gratitude journal, I said, cool, what is hers like? Okay, well, it's the first few pages explaining how to do the journal, which is where the value is. Because someone could write down what they're grateful for, but it's not just in the doing of three things, okay, I'm done. It's being in that vibe. It's being in that feeling of gratitude. It's actually quite a spiritual practice because when you're grateful, you're able to draw in more to be grateful for. And Mm -hmm. not just the cliche quote of be grateful for what you have, but the gratitude allows more perception to see the good in all things and to understand that it's happening for you, not to you. So being able to write something and have a comparison of what she did was helpful. However, If a person compares too much, they'll end up doubting what they can do. So take it as evidence, take it as as some type of inspiration, but don't take it like you have to replicate because you're a different person than that person is. So your journal, your book should be different because you're different. You're going to capture a different, completely different audience. Right. So you can have 50 people all doing a gratitude journal, but you each have your unique bent and your unique audience, and it's going to meet a very specific need that might be different from journal to journal to journal. Sure. And you have to believe that about yourself. Yes. Because if you don't think that your message is any different than what's regurgitated about mindset all the time, all day, every day, you're going to, you have to believe that what you say or what you write will resonate differently with this person than it will with this person. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that you're with a certain audience. There's a reason you're speaking to a certain person because they need that and you need it. As you are shifting your mindset to move into professional writer mode, viewing it as a business, one of the things that most of us do who own a writing-related business is we have a vision for our business. So can you talk a little bit about creating a vision and creating some growth goals? I break up goals into three sections, A-type, B-type, and C-type. A-type goals are what you've done. It's what you already know how to do. It's what you've accomplished, say, the last month or the last year, right? Come January, you write down the same stuff because you're doing the same thing, rat race. 
B-type goals is usually where people go after they realize, okay, well, I don't want more of the same, so let me set something else. B-type goals are what you think you can do. It's what you plan out. If I did this, 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 I'd accomplish this thing. It's what, what you feel comfortable doing because you've planned it. But the problem is there's no growth. There's no inspiration in that to do what you think you can do because what you think is just using your five senses. It's you looking at evidence for see, smell, taste, touch here for what you believe is possible, what you believe is realistic. There's just no inspiration in that. So what I invite people to do and what I talk with my clients about is setting a C-type goal. A C-type goal is a desire. It's a fantasy. You're not sure how to do it. You just simply know that you want it. In the journal, when someone writes down a growth goal, the intent of writing that little section of the growth goal is to say, three to five years from now, this is where I want to be. And then throughout the journal, other pieces of it are more of the three to nine month goals, the mm-hmm. stepping stones to be at that C-type goal. Because people don't accomplish goals a lot of times because they set the wrong one. They set the wrong goal because there's no inspiration. They get burnt out. They get bored. They look at competitors. They say they can't do it. But when your will and your focus is so persistent in that path, There is inspiration. It calls for creativity. Creativity is a body at ease where not being creative, being dis-ease or disease, I just hyphenate it, being at dis-ease, there's no creativity in that. You're suppressing instead of expressing. C-type goals, that's the growth goal in the journal. It's where you're inspired. You don't know how to do it. You just simply know you desire it. It's simply a fantasy right now. That's exactly what I teach too, Kirsty. And, and I call it the C-type goal. I call it the big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because exactly. it is, you know, it's it's one of those fantasies. It's one of those dream big and let's mm-hmm. be really creative and see where we yes. can go with this. In the private Facebook group for listeners to this podcast, I had a listener chime in just a couple of days ago because I recently published the episode on grit. She mentioned that she has been achieving four of those C goals, things that she never thought she could do, but she just said, I'm going to go for it. And so she started creating pages for her website. She recorded an audiobook. She learned how to bake sourdough bread. And she did one other thing. And they were all four things that she never thought she could do. Sure. And she's like, no, I'm just, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. So good for her for having grit and for going yes. after those seagulls. That's incredible. Yes. It's easy to come up with a big vision it's a little bit harder to put it into practice. Mm -hmm. So do you have any specific tips for daily practices that we can put into place that are going to keep us motivated, keep us moving forward toward our goals? Make a list every day of productive income producing tasks. If a task of watching Netflix for two hours is not making you money, and then you complain that you don't have time, maybe eliminate that task and see for the two hours what you could do that is focused on your vision, that is focused on your goal. Once you have a list that says, okay, these are the points of creation that I can focus on, eliminating other things, distractions, life happens type of stuff. Once you have that list, 
pick out a couple of them each day that you feel is leveraging, that you feel is, okay, if I focused on this today for the X amount of time, would my income producing task be leveraged? I call it squaring yourself. Rather than just adding to what you can do, how can you multiply your effort by focusing on the right leveraged task? When you were talking about setting up some income producing tasks and you were talking about watching Netflix, that reminded me just yesterday I was listening to two podcasts and they were podcasts for what that's called pet parents, people who own dogs and cats. Uh And you might be thinking, well, Laura, why are you wasting your time listening to podcasts <laughs> for pet parents? Because you don't even own a dog. But one of my clients is a veterinarian, and I write blog posts. I ghostwrite blog posts for that person. Listening to those two podcast episodes that were talking specifically about topics that I wanted to write about for this person was an income-producing task for me because this client pays me every month to ghostwrite articles for them. And so that was time that I was spending very productively researching and taking notes, even though I was doing something fun, which was listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have to be like this really boring, dry thing that you're doing in order for it to be income producing or to multiply, as you're saying, as opposed to just adding. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think something to consider there too is take the time to watch your Netflix show. Take the time to sit in the tub and relax. Take the time to go shopping or get your hair done or whatever it is. Just make the decision to do that. Don't say, I should, blah, 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 because then if you don't, there's guilt and resentment and you feel bad and whatever attached to it. Say, I could do this. And then if you choose something else, there's no attachment to it. I say all Mm -hmm. the time, stop shoulding yourself. Don't say you should do it. Say you could. And if you do or you don't, that's okay. But then when you make the decision to do this or that, whether it's to write a blog post or it's to sit in the tub and relax for an hour, don't then feel bad because you get to own that decision made. Just understand that then... If you make decisions that you don't feel are productive, whether they're income, they're for a relationship, they're healthy goals, whatever it is, when you make the decision not to, do not play victim then and say, well, it's because. Nope. Own the decision. Take your empowerment back. For mindset, I would say wake up intentionally in the morning. Don't wake up because your kids woke you up. Don't wake up to have to go do something Wake up with the intention that I'm waking up so I can or I get to blah, 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 whatever it is. And then I would say block out 20-minute increments. Tasks require more than 20 minutes, but in the morning, very intentionally, block out 20 minutes to set your intention for the day, to use a journal, to write out what you want to have happen, to write out what you love, to write out what you're grateful for. And then create something, whether it's music, whether it's exercising, whether it's drinking, you know, your coffee or your water and looking at the view. Take 20 minutes to just be. No social media. Don't get on Facebook. Be in that moment for 20 minutes. So in the morning, spending, say, at least 40 minutes where it's about you. It's about what you want. It's about what you're creating that day. And then it's just being in that moment. The scenery the smells, no phone, 
just being. Before we wrap up, are there any additional tips or anything that we can glean from you that you would like to share with our listener? Biggest tip for you is to design the life that you actually want. Stop buying into the beliefs that you can't have something because you are not something. You already are that person. First, be and show up as that person with the goal attained. Create where you would be, how you would be, who would you show up as from the goal attained. So if your goal is to do a certain amount or to have a certain amount or to vacation a certain place, who do you show up as from that goal already attained? Don't think toward the goal, be from the goal because your behavior when fused with your belief, that's when leaps and bounds happen. You can believe all day long, but unless your behavior and your action reflect that true belief, you'll still just continue in the same stuff. So fuse the belief and the behavior together. Thank you so much for that, Kirsty. Where can we go to learn more about you and your services? My website is velocity-consulting.com. You can also find my private group on Facebook. It's called Magnetic Mindset for Business Professionals. And I do trainings in there for free every single week. Wonderful. I think that's a group I will need to join because I'm not part of that group yet. So I will <laughs> put uh, the link to uh, Kirsty's website and Facebook group in the show notes over at bloggingbistro.com. Thank you so much, Kirsty, for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom with us on mindset. Of course. And listener, I would love for you to continue this discussion on this all-important mindset shift into professional writer mode in the Professional Writer Podcast community. That's our private Facebook group. We're here to support and encourage and challenge and learn from each other. And you'll find a link to join that group in the show notes over at bloggingbistro.com forward slash podcast. And also in the show notes, there's a link where you can click to subscribe to the podcast and I'll email you a notification to every episode. Or you can just text the phrase ProWriter, P-R-O-W-R-I-T-E-R to the number 44222 and follow the prompts. When you subscribe, I'll also email you a bonus gift, which is my quick start guide called Essential Resources for Running a Writing Business. You can also listen via your favorite podcasting app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. It's on all of them. Just open the app and key in The Professional Writer. When the show pops up in your app, be sure to save it to your favorites so you don't miss an episode. Or you can simply tell your smart speaker, play The Professional Writer podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next time.